Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm back on Facebook Live, and uh, this will be posted on Instagram as well. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, it's nice to be back. It's been a while. If you've been following my Facebook page or Instagram, uh, you know that I, I tend to do three or four weeks of uh, Facebook Live sessions, also on Instagram, um, usually once or twice a week leading up to a few online meditation retreats. And this is no different. <laughs> I'm about uh, four weeks away from launching uh, two uh, new online meditation programs. Uh, very excited. And so while I'm on that topic, I think I'll go ahead and introduce that. So the first uh, course that I'm offering is called Heartfelt Awareness, and that's why I'm offering a talk today on that topic of heartfelt awareness. And this is a, is a mindfulness course. And so we'll be uh, spending eight weeks taking a very, very deep dive into the very traditional uh, teachings around mindfulness will start with the original text from the Buddhist tradition where mindfulness comes from. It's called the Satipatthana Sutta. And then we will uh, explore the Satipatthana Sutta. We'll spend uh, two weeks on each of the four foundations of mindfulness. Two weeks on the body, two weeks on feelings, two weeks on the mind and the content of the mind. And then we'll spend two weeks on what's known as mental formations, kind of the frameworks from for which we experience the world through. So a little bit about the, the logistics of the course, and then I'll get into the bulk of today's offering. So the course meets twice a week, Wednesdays and Saturdays at 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., and that's in Thailand. So that equals to Tuesdays and Fridays on uh, East Coast time, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, that's the first section. So there are two sections of this, of this program. Uh, the second section is, uh, if you're in Asia, it'll be in the afternoons, Wednesdays and Saturdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And that uh, section, section two, is really designed to cater for well, people who like uh, to have a later afternoon program in Asia or in the mornings here in Europe. Uh, so the second section will meet Wednesdays and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to 12 noon. I'm sorry, 10 a.m. to 12 noon Europe time if you're in France or, or uh, in that time zone, uh, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And so for more information about the retreat programs, uh, just go to my website, www.suchsweetthunder.org. And you can find out all about the retreats there. Or if you want to register, you can also register through the website. Okay, so let's do just a little bit of meditating before we get into today's program. So I'll ring the bell, and we'll just do this for maybe three to five minutes, just as a way of settling into the present moment. Perhaps you've had a busy day, and you've just tuned in, and you want to uh, perhaps arrive, connect. 
in solving the bell here. And I'll just do a little bit of guiding. And so the invitation here is just to arrive into this present moment. And we might begin arriving just by taking a nice deep breath and feeling into how the breath moves through the body. Very often taking a deep breath brings a sense of calm and relaxation to the body, into the mind, into the heart. We might continue arriving by, by just noticing the sensations of the feet against the carpet or floor. or perhaps noticing sensations of socks or shoes against the feet. And inviting the muscles in the feet to relax, rest. We might also notice the weight of the body against the cushion or chair or mat. Both the floor or the chair or cushion or mat are really substitutes for planet Earth. And so perhaps just feeling into that connection, that anchoredness, that groundedness, in a sense, claiming our place among 7.8 billion other people connected to this beautiful, life-support-giving planet, Mother Earth. And so while we're here resting, connecting, you might notice sensations arising from the hands. And if you wish, inviting the muscles in the hands to relax, grow soft, rest. And perhaps noticing sensations of clothing against the back. Inviting the muscles in the back to relax, rest. We might also notice sensations arising as clothing against the shoulders. Inviting the muscles in the shoulders to rest, relax, grow soft. There might be sensations arising throughout the cheeks of the face. 
letting any tension or stress that's held in the face go. And if it feels accessible, you might notice sensations arising at the top of the head. And so just taking a few moments here just to connect with the felt experience of the body. And if it feels supportive, you might also notice the sounds of the present moment. You might notice loud, obvious sounds or or quiet, subtle sounds. It might just be the sound of my voice interacting with a, a type of backdrop of silence, of stillness. And while we're here resting, perhaps you notice your mind is distracted by thoughts. And just know that that's normal. The mind will want to think. Smilingly recognizing the distraction, perhaps noting it, thinking, thinking, thinking letting the thoughts go and gently returning back to the present moment, resting, resting with the breath and the body and the experience of sound and silence and just rest. So in the next breath or two, I'll ring the sound of the bell here and bring us back into a conversational space. So thank you for for joining me in that very, very brief guided meditation as a way of settling and arriving. I hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. So as I mentioned, these Facebook Live uh, sessions are really designed to sort of introduce and build up momentum into the online programs that I'm offering. And these starts next month, uh, starting the last week of July, July 26th, and they run until September 18th. And so this particular course, although it's titled Heartfelt Awareness, it's really a mindfulness-based course. And so one might ask, well, you know, what's the big deal about mindfulness? <laughs> it's kind of become a buzzword, 
in the past few years, in the past maybe five to ten years, it's really, you know, kind of swept through the West, this practice of mindfulness. And the practice of mindfulness is really about connecting to the present moment in a particular way, really in a heartfelt way, in a compassionate way, in a type of way that has no judgment. And so otherwise, if without the that particular slant of non-judgment, it's really just paying attention, right? So mindfulness is qualified in a sense by this non-judgmental awareness, this heartfelt compassionate awareness. That's what makes the difference between uh, just paying attention in a focused way and mindfulness. That's the distinguishing characteristic. So a few benefits here about the practice of mindfulness and why I think it's uh, really, really important, really, really helpful, particularly in today's current world climate. So starting first with the effects that it can have on our psyche. So in recent years, uh, many, many therapists and counselors have really incorporated these practices of mindfulness and meditation as an important element of treatments. And these treatments uh, with mindfulness have been shown to bring really positive uh, effects and, and um, outcomes uh, to certain disorders or afflictions, if you will, such as depression, substance abuse, eating disorders, couples conflicts, anxiety disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders, among many, many others. So this is really important, really important to recognize the therapeutic quality of this really um, profound meditation technique. A mindfulness has also been shown to to help with pain management and pain relief, stress reduction, and emotional intelligence and regulation. And, and in that way, mindfulness can really help us uh, boost our happiness index, so to speak. But really, I think probably, at least from my perspective, uh, the most beneficial aspect of mindfulness uh, is that it strengthens and reinforces our present moment awareness. The practice of mindfulness or, or heartfelt awareness, as I like to translate it, invites us to be connected to the very experience that we call life, free from our preferences and prejudices, free from our opinions about what we think ought to be happening, and what actually is happening. Now, of course, those preferences and prejudices and opinions and likes and dislikes will still be there. We're human, <laughs> right? We, we kind of need those to navigate our way through life. But we don't need to be hypnotized by them. We don't need to 
uh, allow those preferences and prejudices, likes and dislikes, to um, really, you know, in a sense, poison our experience of the present moment. And sometimes, quite often, that does happen. So I want to talk a little bit about the original Pali and Sanskrit word that's translated into mind. And it gives us this word then mindfulness. So the original word is sati. And in Tibetan, it's citta. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because mind is actually a very poor translation. This translation was brought to us by a really wonderful translator named Carolyn Weiss Davids in, I think, 1881. Now, uh, this comes from the Buddhist tradition, so these practices are thousands of years old, actually about 2,600 years old. So 1881, it's very late in the game, <laughs> so to speak. And then we have this translation, mindfulness. But interestingly enough, the word sati or citta could have just as easily been translated as heart. Just as easily translated as heart. And I think that's really important. <laughs> now, I think, you know, mindfulness is really, as a word, embedded now in the West, in the culture. So the idea that we're going to change that translation now is, is, is probably far-fetched. But it is worth noting because, you know, if I invite you now, maybe I first say, put your mind on your breath. And just, just feel what that feels like when I invite you to put your mind on your breath or put your mind on the sensations at your feet. And then I might invite you then to, to put your heart on your breath or, or put your heart on the sensations of your feet. I don't know about you all, but for me, that's, it's totally different. The, the experience is totally different. The heart doesn't have uh, the arguments. <laughs> Should I be doing it this way? Should I be doing that? Should I be feeling this? What am I feeling that for? Why aren't I feeling much there? When we put our heart on the present moment, whether it's the feet or the breath or the sounds, it, it invites us to connect to the present moment with that non-judgment. That's so, so important to the quality of mindfulness or what I am starting to call heartfelt awareness. Heartfelt awareness. If I had my way, I'd take a time capsule back to 1880 and translate sati as heartfelt awareness. For me, that's much more accurate. So, a little bit of a thought experiment here, another thought experiment, if you will. What would it be like 
you know, if you could imagine, I don't know if you have a cat or a kitten. I have a kitten, a cat. She's about two years old now, and she's kind of the apple of my eye. <laughs> and so, you know, when I pick her up or when I play with her, my heart kind of opens. It's a really heartfelt experience. And so the invitation here for this experiment is, is find something of your own that feels like that. Maybe it's the, the laughter of your baby, your child, your niece, your nephew. Or maybe um, it's a puppy or a flower or looking into your lover's eyes. Whatever it is that, that brings that warmth. And then imagine what it would be like to meet the present moment with that. What would it be like to, to start your day with that warmth in the heart and then to, to move through the day with a, a continual reminder that it's possible to perhaps step into the workplace with that heartfelt awareness or to drive to work with that heartfelt awareness or to meet the stranger who's pouring your coffee at the cafe on the way to work with that heartfelt awareness. What would it be like to, to turn on the news and to see uh, some of the devastation in the world with that heartfelt awareness? So, so that's the type of practice we'll be exploring in that eight-week program that I'm going to be offering at the end of July will be invited to really um, connect with this innate sense of non-judgment, this innate sense of compassion that's an integral part of the human heart. But we, we kind of lose touch with that as we grow older for any number of reasons. So we're invited to reconnect with that heartfelt awareness and to then bring that heartfelt awareness to life. So I'll give a little example of how this might be done. I have a, I have a, um, I have a prop <laughs> for this talk. And I know I think on my phone, unfortunately, the words are in reverse. Um, so I'm sorry about that. But if you're watching this on my Such Sweet Thunder page, the words would be in the correct way. So I'm just trying to get it at both screens. I'm not sure that's possible. Here we go. Okay. So this is what I call the, the mindfulness circle. What did I do there? Okay. The mindfulness circle. Hopefully you can see the words. Um, okay. Let me turn this light off. No glare. And so at the beginning of the mindfulness circle, we have the object of attention. That's the present moment or the breath or the body or a sound. We have the object of attention that we're bringing that heartfelt awareness to, right? So the breath, the body, the sounds, and so forth. Go back a little bit. And then we have distraction over here, right? 
And we all know, if you've even tried to meditate for two minutes or three minutes, the mind wants to be thinking. You'll get distracted. It's normal. It's natural. We all get distracted. Even the Dalai Lama got distracted or gets distracted in meditation. Even the Buddha got distracted during meditation. So it's normal. It's something we don't want to make into being wrong. And then we have the recognition of the distraction. Whoops. <laughs> These props, I tell you, I need a better stage person to set me up. And then we have embraced the return at the other side here. And so I'll talk us through how this cycle works and why it's important. So again, we start with the present moment as the object of attention. The breath, let's use the example of the breath for now. Could be the sounds, could be sensations of the body. And then the mind starts to think. Maybe we're, we're breathing, we're feeling the breath. We're there for about 30 seconds, a minute, and then the mind starts to think, oh, yeah, meditation, this is great. I should have done this years ago. This feels really good. My, my brother really likes meditation. I wonder what my brother is doing these days. I, wonder, I should call him. I haven't talked to him in a while. Oh, he's got those, those, that weird cat. I wonder why he got that cat. That cat's so strange. He eats all in the hours of night and makes all kinds of noise. I should really ask him if he's going to get rid of that cat. I wonder what, oh, oh, I'm thinking, <laughs> right? That's the, recogni <laughs> That's the recognition of the distraction, right? When we realize we're distracted by the thoughts. And so what I offer there, the technique that I offer at the distraction that I found really helpful in my own practice and when I work with clients one-on-one -on -one, is to say to yourself, thinking, 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 maybe say it two or three times. When you do that, the thought bubble tends to burst. The thoughts will start to dissolve. So that's where we are. We're at the recognition of the distraction. You say thinking, 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 the thoughts dissolve, and then em embrace the return. So the reason why embrace the return is quite important is because generally when we go through that cycle of uh, in the present moment, distraction, recognition of the distraction, then generally what happens is the mind starts to think, oh, I can't do this right. Oh, I'm so distracted. Why am I thinking all the time? Meditation is not for me. This isn't good. This isn't working. Right? Why is everyone else so peaceful if you're meditating in a group? Why are they all able to do this and I can't? And so forth. Right? We have all of this uh, uh, unpleasant feeling tone starting to get cultivated when we recognize we're distracted by our thoughts. That's really not helpful for cultivating a meditation practice. Right? Sometimes we think, if, particularly if we entertain our inner critic very often, we might think that that voice is really helping us, right? If we're critical of ourselves, then we're going to actually be able to stay present the next time. But it actually doesn't work that way, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to put the prop down. So the idea of embracing the return is that when we recognize, so we're in the present moment, we get distracted, we 
you know, say thinking, 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 we let the distractions go. If we are able to celebrate that, say, yeah, I recognized it. This is working. I'm back in the present moment. I can feel my breath again. I'm not distracted. Right? If we can really uh, engage with the, the return back to the present moment in a positive way, then we're putting a positive feeling tone, a pleasant feeling tone, on the return back to the present moment. And this is actually really important. Because here we're starting to be able to access our, our neurology to support the meditation practice. Because if you are in the present moment at the start of the meditation, you get distracted by your thoughts, and then you say, thinking, 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 you come back and say, I can't do this, this isn't good, this isn't good. You're actually, because that feels unpleasant, you're training your mind that it feels better to stay distracted. If you, your mind comes back to the present moment and you're saying, bad, 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 the mind's going to think it's better to stay distracted than it is to be in the present moment. So essentially we're working against the objective of mindfulness when we do that. If, if we are able to say thinking, 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 we come back to the present moment and say, yeah, this is great, it's working. We put that positive feeling tone, that pleasant feeling tone on the return. We're actually training our mind, we're training our awareness that it feels better to be in the present moment than to be distracted. And that's what we want. Because it does feel better. It does feel better to be in the present moment than to stay distracted. That's why there's so many wonderful health benefits because the body resonates with present moment awareness. The heart and the mind resonates with present moment awareness. It's healing. So if we can just let go of that inner critic and recognize that it's normal to get distracted during meditation, everyone does, and then each time we get distracted, celebrating, whoop, celebrating the fact that we actually recognized that we were distracted and we're able to return back to the present moment. Because it's worth celebrating. It's beautiful. And so each time we go through that cycle, I'm not going to get the prop up again because that's kind of awkward. <laughs> each time we go through that cycle and come back to the present moment, it's like we're lifting weights. We've done another rep with the awareness barbell. Right? And so with each repetition, each time we say, we're in the present moment, we get distracted, we say thinking, 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 we return back, we're like, yeah, this is great. Another rep, another rep. And we get incrementally stronger in our capacity to stay in the present moment for longer and longer periods of time. Eventually, with practice, could take six days, six weeks, six months, six years, or six lifetimes later. But eventually we can stay in the present moment throughout the entire day without distraction and that's the idea so just a couple more things about that 
Uh, I want to give it a little example, and I got this from the Insight Meditation teacher, Jack Kornfield, who's a, a wonderful teacher. I highly recommend Jack Kornfield if you don't know him. And he uses the analogy of training a puppy. And so, you know, I'll use the same analogy. We put a, a, a couple of squares of newspaper on the ground, and we, we pick up this cute baby puppy, and we put her down in the newspaper, and we say, stay, stay, stay. And the puppy immediately runs off to the corner of the room. Right? Okay. Go back over, we pick her up, put her down in the newspaper, stay, stay, girl, good girl. Right? And then she runs off to the other corner of the room. And go over there and gently pick her up and put her back on the newspaper again. Pet her. Stay. Stay. And eventually she runs off again. And that's how one trains a puppy. Right? It, we, we kind of naturally uh, allow the puppy to feel good when she's on the newspaper. Right? So then eventually she wants to stay on her own accord. Right? Now if we, if we um, you know, picked up this poor puppy and we put her on the newspaper and said, bad girl, bad girl, <laughs> then she would run off to the corner and she wouldn't want to come back. Right? We'd be training her that it feels bad to be on the newspaper. Right? And that's kind of how a lot of people work with meditation. Right? We get distracted and we come back and like, ah, oh, I can't do this. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> We're training our mind that it doesn't feel good to be in the present moment when we do that. So that is a real helpful tip. Uh, and really, again, accessing our natural neurology uh, to help us uh, support our present moment awareness. Okay. So... Yeah, I think that's all I have to say today. Um, so if you join me on this eight-week course, we're going to be uh, exploring two weeks of mindfulness of the body. And it's not going to be only meditation practice. A big part of this course is bringing mindfulness out in, into our daily life. That heartfelt awareness, as I was saying, the idea that we can actually approach life with a sense of real curiosity. You know, not like kind of a curiosity as if I wonder what will happen if X, Y, and Z happens, but actually meeting each encounter of our life with a sense of curiosity, a sense of what is this? As if we were experiencing the rain for the first time. As if, as if we were experiencing the purring of our kitten for the first time, or the softness of our sweater. So we're really uh, going to be exploring uh, this beginner's mind. And it's such a vivid experience. It uh, brings, brings uh, a type of vividness to the present moment when we can engage in life in this way. So we'll spend two weeks doing that through the body, experiencing uh, the felt connection to the present moment with this curiosity. And then we'll go into our uh, what's known as feeling tones. Not exactly emotions. Emotions we'll get to later in the course. 
The feeling tones are really what gives birth to the emotions. It's the root of our emotions, whether we feel pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And again, we'll be invited to explore that really um, subtle area of our experience with this heartfelt curiosity. This heartfelt curiosity. Now, what is this? What is this pleasantness? What is this unpleasantness? Where does it come from? Why does it feel this way? And we'll start to explore how the, the pleasant feeling tones give birth to attraction, uh, which can sometimes lead to craving and longing and desire and suffering. And as we take a deep look into that, we start to be able to unplug that chain reaction which essentially leads us to freedom from suffering. And we'll go the other direction too. We'll look at the unpleasant feeling tone and how that can very easily lead us to, to pushing things away, to resisting the present moment, which also leads to suffering. And we'll look at the neutral feeling tone, which is really often overlooked. And that, by its very nature, qualifies neutral as being neutral. Right? It's that aspect of the present moment that we don't notice. Because the human nervous system is wired <laughs> to notice things that pull us or push us by our emotions, by our feelings. So by cultivating a sensitivity to what's neutral in our experience, we broaden our present moment awareness uh, to an exceptional degree. We cultivate a type of sensitivity to aspects of our life that we normally would have overlooked and remained ignorant of, not ignorant in a, in a negative way, but ignorant in the truest sense of the words. We ignored a huge chunk of our life that is neutral. And so we start to bring that neutral aspect back and to be able to experience it fully. The reason why that's important is because neutral provides us a place to rest. Because there is no push or pull when we're in neutral, when we're feeling the neutralness of life. We recognize that, oh, things are neutral now, I don't need to go check my phone. I don't need to go to the fridge and get something to eat. I don't need to turn on the news. I can just enjoy the peace and quiet that is inherent in the neutral moments of life. So this real sense of joy becomes very accessible. This very real, pleasurable, experience of rest becomes available. And so in the week five and six of the course, we'll go into the mind and bringing heartfelt awareness, the sense of curiosity to our thinking process, the types of thoughts we have. We'll look at the thoughts in great detail. We'll say those are pleasant and those are unpleasant thoughts and those are neutral thoughts. And then we'll use mindfulness to cultivate the pleasant, to 
to let go of the unpleasant and to enjoy the neutral. So we bring the teachings of the feeling tones into the mind, cultivating the wholesome qualities of the mind that lead to flourishing, that lead to a, a, a beautiful, creative way of connecting to the present moment. And we'll learn to, to, to disregard or to let go of the unwholesome thoughts, the, the thoughts that we all have, but they just don't serve us. And that's really important uh, aspect of mindfulness or heartfulness of mind, heartfelt awareness of mind. Because all of us have thoughts that we don't like. All of us have thoughts that we feel don't fit into the concept of who and what we think we are. And we tend to push those away and say, oh, those are bad. I don't want to think about that. That's not good. You know? But when we make them into the villain, when we make those thoughts bad, we don't give us ourselves the opportunity to work with them. And so they always remain in different forms sometimes. They come up in different shapes and different voices. But the same uh, feeling of those thoughts remain until we are able to, to actually really hold them with compassion and look at them and feel them and get to know them and befriend them. Then we can say, oh, you know what? Uh, I don't need you anymore. You're not serving me anymore. And we can put that energy into uh, thought processes that do serve. And for the last two weeks of the course, we look at what's known as the mental formations. The actual Sanskrit term is dhammas. And so we'll be looking at these dhammas, these frameworks uh, for which we experience the world through. I won't talk too much about that today because it, that's, it's pretty ambiguous. And unless you're, you're uh, and unless you're already practicing these practices and have a background with the, the Satipatthana Sutta, the heartfelt awareness practices, uh, dhammas can, can feel a bit uh, ambiguous at best. Um, one aspect of the dhammas that I do think is accessible is we'll look at something called the five hindrances. These are the hindrances or what's known in some circles as the veiling factors. And they're called the veiling factors because they, they veil our connection to the present moment. And these are the veiling factors of uh, sensual desire, aversion or anger, uh, sloth and torpor, which really means dullness of mind, sleepiness, uh, restlessness and worry, which in today's parlance might be well translated as anxiety. And doubt is the last one. And so we'll be looking at those and how we can, uh, how we can work with them. Again, we don't make them into something bad or wrong, uh, but we honor them as natural and normal parts of the human experience that simply don't serve us to lead a flourishing life. So that is really all I'm going to say tonight. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I will be back here 
on Saturday talking about uh, the other retreat that I'm offering, which is a retreat on equanimity. And so I'll be outlining that and giving a little bit of a talk around equanimity, why equanimity is so important. And then I'll be back again next Thursday, I think around the same time, more or less, uh, continuing this talk on heartfelt awareness. So I'll ring the bell to close us out. And once again, thank you so much for being here. I wouldn't be here if you and if you if you all weren't here. And um, I really enjoy being here. So thank you. And I'll ring the bell.